You think you've got issues? Dr. Laurie Appel. Welcome to my podcast, where we will be talking about a variety of mental health issues because, you know, we've all got issues. So this next series of podcasts is going to be all about parenting. And I've invited several guests, experts in the field of psychology, as well as parents to discuss a variety of topics. But before we get in to more specific issues related to children and parenting, let's first begin with a more general discussion of parenting, specifically what is our job as a parent? Most people would describe the job of a parent as taking care of our children. And of course, fundamentally, that is what we are hardwired to do, to take care of and nurture our kids. But to what end? And here the real issue of exactly what our job is comes into play. Because obviously our job is not to take care of our children forever or to foster dependency. Our job is really to prepare our children to become competent adults. And this does not mean an absence of nurturing because nurturing is different from fostering dependency. Nurturing is a special birthday cake, taking the time to be a room parent, coaching your child's team, staying up all night with a sick kid. Fostering dependency is picking up after them, ordering for them in a restaurant, cleaning up their mistakes, or micromanaging their homework and doing their laundry long after they should be responsible for doing those things themselves. Now, we may have many conscious and subconscious reasons for fostering dependency. We think they'll fail if we don't remind them. It's easier to just do it for them, or they still need us. Most of these reasons are based on fear fear that they're going to fail, fear that the transition to more independence will create conflict and tension, and fear that they won't need us anymore. The reality is these fears are accurate. They may fail, and it certainly will be a struggle to get a child to do their own laundry or budget their own money, and eventually they will be more independent and need us less. However, this is all part of the growing up process, making mistakes, seeing the consequences, struggling to take on more responsibility, and needing us less. But not doing our job of creating independent, competent adults will foster a dependency that can cripple children in their ability to go out in the world and function on their own, taking responsibility for their choices and their actions. So how do we do our job correctly? What is the best way for parents to raise confident, competent adults? And I'm defining competent here as meaning being able to find a job with meaning, establishing social relationships and connections, and leading a healthy and balanced life with good judgment and a steady moral compass. And most parents really want to know what is the right thing to do. They ask me a multitude of questions. Is it ever okay to let my kid sleep in my bed? Does time out really work? Should I give my kid an allowance for chores or money for grades? Should I make my kid do homework right after school? When should I start potty training? And with regard to all of these issues and many, many others, here's what I think. First, the fact that you're thinking carefully about what is right for your children and not just going about parenting by default or habit is a big step ahead of many. A thinking parent is the best kind of parent in general. 
We've all made mistakes and we all will make mistakes. But if we take the time to think through why we are doing what we are doing and what the potential effects will be on our children, we're going to minimize the mistakes that we make. Now, we can look back at our past and what our parents did and try to take away the best of it. And also, we can revise the things that we think may have affected us negatively. Most of us love our parents and feel guilty if we think critically about how they parented us. But the reality is, all parents make mistakes and corrections can always be made, or improvements. Maybe your parents were super demanding and that made you feel like you always came up short. So maybe you correct this a little. Maybe you back down slightly on the demand so that you don't put too much pressure on your children. You just have to be careful not to overcorrect because maybe those high expectations also pushed you to become the success that you are. The point is, think through things. Don't just do what you knew because that may have had some negative consequences, but also don't knee-jerk in the opposite direction and overcorrect, as this course may have negative consequences too. Second, the reality is there is no definitive best way of doing things, beyond the obvious stuff like not beating or neglecting your children. There is, however, the best way for your family to do things. Researchers, psychologists, pediatricians are constantly changing their views on what is right. For instance, we've gone from scheduled feeding to feeding on demand and back again a number of times from keeping your kids out of the bed at all costs to the benefits of the family bed. And there is not one answer for any of these issues. Family size, schedules, income, temperaments, cultural background, and lifestyle may make one thing work better than another for you as a family. Similarly, what works for one child may not work at all for another child because every child is unique and different. One child may benefit and respond as we would like to timeouts, while for another child, it's useless. They couldn't care less. We are not, as families, one size fits all. No one book, no one technique will work for every family and every child. And third, Whatever you decide works well for your family and for your child, it should be a united decision among the primary caretakers and one that you can be consistent about. Because while no family or child is alike, one thing that we do know is that children respond well to consistency among the adults in their lives. When children get mixed messages about expectations, they don't know what to do. And when they live in chaos, they feel unsafe in the world. So unite around the basic issues and develop a consistent plan that will work for your particular child and your family. The ultimate answer of what do we do about may differ, may be different for everyone. But if you come to, unite, to a united decision about what is right for your family and your child and you have a united front, you have the best possible chance for success. So if we really want to prepare our children to become competent adults, how does this happen? It happens in stages. Consider that while instinct and urges are hardwired and innate, most behavior is learned rather than innate and accomplished primarily through repetition and modeling. So let's first start with the concept of repetition. When our kids are little, we remind them to say, thank you, please and thank you, until they do it without us having to remind them. And we have to repeat this hundreds of times before they get it. The same goes for other behaviors. We need to teach kids the kinds of behaviors we want them to display as they become adults, such as you need to take turns or we don't hit other people. 
And over the stages of our children's lives and as they mature, we can focus on teaching them repeatedly increasingly difficult concepts, and we can expect increasingly complex and mature behaviors. So for babies, really we're just meeting their needs, but what they learn is to trust the world. And as they develop into toddlers, we can begin to repeat and teach boundaries and limits, like you can't bite, or don't hit, or you need to take turns, or play nicely. And as they begin preschool and kindergarten, they learn the concepts of manners and being a good friend, of the need to make amends if you've hurt someone, to take care of your stuff, to conform to a schedule, to delay gratification, and follow some basic rules. As they go through childhood, we can teach them about responsibility, hard work, moral values, being part of a team, managing your time. And finally, when they become teenagers, we begin the really most important work of teaching them to make responsible choices, to use good judgment, to plan ahead, and to become accountable for their actions. And over time, we have built on skills so that they can become a competent adult. And our job then to some degree, is complete. We can still nurture and care, but hopefully we've taught them the skills to be out there on their own making good, cho- making good choices and living successfully. Now on to the concept of modeling. Author James Baldwin said, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. I remember when my son was little and a friend was over for dinner, he said to his friend, Uh, How do you know you don't like it if you haven't tried it? As he was trying to convince his friend to eat something new, I chuckled under my breath, remembering how many times my husband and I had made this exact same query of our picky eater and how rarely it worked to convince him to try uncharted food territory. And it occurred to me that while we may not always immediately see the fruits of our labor as parents, the reality is, is that the words we use And what we say to our children are like seeds planted in the mind of our children. And even in things as simple as how we refer to others, whether by the color of their skin, the size of their body, the color of their shirt, we are giving a message about what we value, about how we see others, how we see the world, how we treat people. The way we talk to our partners or the way we address a sales clerk speaks volumes about how we expect our children to treat others as they grow up. Many parents seem to think that much of what they say or do is unnoticed by their children or goes over their head. But I've realized in talking with children in my practice, especially teenagers, that most of what parents say does go straight into their heads and will come out later in how they perceive the world and how they will treat other people. So as a parent, it is vitally important to think about what you say and how you behave. Do you rage when you're frustrated? Are you rigid and inflexible? Do you lie to avoid conflict or avoid trouble? Do you express intolerance toward differences? Or conversely, do you treat other people with kindness and respect? Are you fair and honest in your dealing with people? Do you apologize and make amends if you've hurt someone? Do you have a good work ethic and a grateful attitude toward life? Because whatever you show, this is what your kids will model. So if you want to raise a competent, successful adult, strive yourself to be the kind of adult you want your child to be, a happy person who is a good friend, a good partner, and a good citizen. 
Finally, a competent and happy adult has a healthy self-esteem. A healthy self-esteem means acknowledging one's talents and gifts and also accepting one's limitations and flaws. And as caregivers, the way that we can do this is by honoring our child's uniqueness. So I often hear parents discussing their children or other people's children, and these discussions abound with opinions about what children should be like, the perfect amount of energy, intelligence, athleticism, confidence, and social grace. But the reality is there is no perfect child. However, in each child, there is the promise of his or her unique traits. For example, a more energetic child may become an entrepreneur. A shyer, clingier child will likely be loyal, compassionate. A silly child may become a great comic. A stubborn child may stand up for what they believe. And while we need to set limits on specific behaviors, we should be cautious of comparing our children negatively or giving the message that their unique traits are negative. Our children are not a carbon copy of ourselves, nor are they necessarily what we have specifically envisioned or hoped for. They come into this world with their own unique disposition and temperament and personality. We must parent the child that we have and not the child that we hoped for or even expected. And the biggest task of a parent and our greatest gift to our child is to accept them for who they are and to delight in their uniqueness. So that's it for the very basics. Stay tuned for more episodes on the very difficult job of parenting. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Laurie, and I will see you next podcast. Dr. Laurie Appel is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, laurieappelpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.